Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. In a long time. And so here I am. First night I preached in Louisiana camp, had a pastor. Most of those people didn't even know me down there. Uh, I preached for three churches in Louisiana when I evangelized. That was it. So I went really to a place predominantly no one really knew me. And so uh, the first night I preached, there was a pastor came up to me and said, he said, you kind of took your time and gave some background and stuff. What, you know, maybe some people knew. He said, but I had a young person here don't know anything about God. And I was so appreciative about that. I said, well, sir, that wasn't just tonight. That's, that's, that's how I operate. And uh, so I'm, I'm always going to start somewhere. And hopefully someone that don't know will know. I uh, don't want to take... Uh, you know, you can become a Pentecostal and an apostolic and just believe everybody knows what you know. And know about David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den. And, and uh, we can miss sometimes where people are just if we don't rehearse what we already know. Amen. Psalms 20, 121. The Bible says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. From whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Help of the Lord tonight, I want to minister this. Keep your eyes to the hills. Keep your eyes to the hills. And that's, you'll find here a little bit, that's a little ambiguous. Amen. But keep your eyes to the hills. Hallelujah. And I know tonight, listen. I don't know what it is. I think it was because my mama brought me up. There's a lot of times I say heels and I say heels. All right. So I know I'm doing it. You know I'm doing it. You know what I mean. All right. <laughs> Amen. There are just some things that are nature and there's some that's nurture amen so let's pray tonight father we're so thankful for the holy ghost god we're thankful lord for your spirit that we have experienced lord in this place through the songs of zion i pray oh god minister to somebody in this house help them lord to be encouraged tonight help them to be instructed tonight i pray lord we need to hear what the spirit is saying god to the church this evening god will not fail to thank you lord for what you accomplish in this place we'll love you and appreciate you for it in the lovely name of jesus christ that I pray and the church say amen. amen amen you may be seated tonight in Jesus name Psalm 121 is a part of what's known in scripture particularly in the Psalms a song of ascent some of your Bibles will denote that before this chapter ever started in other chapters that this is a song of ascents or it's also known as a song of degrees these type of songs uh, they they range from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 there are 15 of them each of them come in succession one right after the other and whether these songs there are some theories and such but whether these songs were sung by the Levites as they ascended the 15 steps up to the intersection of the court at the temple you can see one psalm per, per step going up to that section whether they were sung there or if they were sung by the Jewish people whenever they took their annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem during their festival times to the holy temple nonetheless they were still songs of a sense or songs of degrees physically uh, in the era of the Old Testament the Jewish people and the nation of Israel would 
physically go up to Jerusalem. It was an upward journey. It was an upward type of travel to Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem and notably the temple was there in that city. That city and temple stood on a higher plane than other areas. Brother Mason no doubt could vouch for this literally having been in that area in that vicinity. The city of Jerusalem, the temple stood higher than other areas around about. That's the reason why, one of the reasons why the psalmist says in Psalms 48, speaking of the city of Jerusalem, that it is beautiful for situation. It's beautiful because and due to its placement that people would go up to Jerusalem during the time of the festival of Passover and during the the festival of Pentecost and during the festival of tabernacles and regardless of your location on the outskirts or outside of Jerusalem in the surrounding towns and cities regardless of your location you always and they always spoke about going up to Jerusalem. When one left that city, notably, you usually see in scripture that they went down from Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, the ancient city of Jerusalem, the old ancient city, had five main roads that led in and out of the city of Jerusalem. If you were going to go to the city, it would be among one of these five that you would travel either to or from the city of Jerusalem. Now, understand well that whenever I say roads, you must understand that they were not the paved asphalt road or some concrete concrete road like we have today. They were predominantly dirt roads. Even uh, even a gravel road might be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, gravel roads of our days and even dirt roads of our days would make the roads leading to and from Jerusalem look good. All right, so when we talk about road, we're talking about something very, very, uh, a treacherous path, a path that, that's worn, a path that's not necessarily constructed. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for road means a beaten, worn out path. The roads to Jerusalem were there because, Bishop, there had been many that had traveled a same route or a same way many times so that eventually it's been beat down or hewn out and worn out so that others could follow. And one of these said roads we read of in Scripture in the New Testament. We read of this road from, from the Good Samaritan story that some may be familiar with, but in Luke 10, it speaks of a road that a certain man went down from Jerusalem. Notice he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was met with some trouble on this particular road that led from Jerusalem. The road that went from Jerusalem to Jericho was about an 18-mile long road, and it changed in elevation uh, in that 18 miles of about a half a mile in elevation going from the height of Jerusalem down to Jericho. And so uh, it, it, that's a considerable change in elevation uh, for 18 miles uh, this summer. Of course, we've been here, there, and yon. And when we were out in New Mexico, uh, the day before we left New Mexico, we thought we'd take another trip. After you're already about 1,200 miles into a trip, a few hundred more doesn't really matter much. And so we were out there, and the day before we left to come back home, we went a little further to Alamogordo, New Mexico, to go to the White Sands, where it's like 275 square miles of nothing but white sand. And so on our trip there, we took a journey across the landscape of about three hours to get there, and we went up to a city called Cloudcroft, New Mexico. It is the city with the highest elevation in New Mexico of around about around close to 9,000 uh, feet above sea level. From Cloudcroft, New Mexico to Alamogordo, New Mexico was a 19-mile journey, but it changed in elevation a little over eight-tenths of a mile. And so that was, I did it in a car, and I can only imagine doing it by foot for this man that went from Jerusalem to 
Jericho, traveling by foot, some traveling by beast of burden. But this particular road, like others leading to Jerusalem and from Jerusalem, was mainly a desert-like road. There were craggy rocks that were surrounding its sides as one ascended to Jerusalem. Can you show my picture tonight? Many roads to and from Jerusalem, it's come and look like that. Now that, I'm just telling you, I, I live in Illinois, and we are living in the day of interstates. That looks more like a path. And somewhat crude of a path at that compared to a road. Most roads in the ancient day, those five that led to or from Jerusalem, regularly look like that right there. This was the type of road. As a matter of fact, this is an ancient picture, amen, of that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. The Good Samaritan story, you'd have found the one that fell among thieves on something like that right there. As a side note, and I don't want to preach this yet, but as a side note, you can see how narrow that is. That tells me that both the priest and the Levite literally probably almost had to step over the one that fell. In order to bypass him. But that's not my story tonight. The Bible says that, that good, the, the one that fell among thieves there. He was stripped. He was wounded. And that's the reason why some even theorize. That the path there from Jericho to Jerusalem. Was called the way of blood. But nonetheless tonight. That's one single road. But that was a common occurrence on any of the five roads. Any of the five roads that went to Jerusalem. There were constantly raids and bands of robbers that people either feared because it didn't it, it could have happened to them or because it really did happen to them that they could have been robbed or thievery could have taken place along any of these five roads it was typical among these rocks and these little craggy regions for thieves and robbers to hide on these roads leading up to Jerusalem they're narrow yes and so it left little hope for whoever was traveling them to escape from a robber or to escape from a bandit. Bandits would lurk all around these roads just with the intent of taking advantage of somebody. Hoping to steal something. Hoping even maybe Bishop to kill somebody on the road leading to or from Jerusalem. We read history that they would line along there in the craggy rocks and they would literally, amen, pray upon the pilgrims that were going to and coming from Jerusalem during their time of worship. In the song of degrees, the travelers began their journey at home in Psalms 120. The Bible says David, or the psalmist rather said, in my distress... I cried unto the Lord. He is already in a certain amount of distress in home. And now the traveler starts his journey to Jerusalem. He starts his pilgrimage to Passover or tabernacles or one of the feasts. And on his journey on the road to Jerusalem, amen, he is met with the dangers that lurk in the hills. And the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. You must understand tonight. Yes, Jerusalem was on an elevated place. Yes, Jerusalem was on a hilly mountainous place. And yes, the traveler going from his home to Jerusalem could be looking to that blessed temple and that blessed place of worship. But it's a two-edged sword. Not only did they keep their eyes to the hills because that's where the temple was, but they kept their eyes to the hills because that's where thieves and robbers and people would like to come down to steal and kill and destroy as well and so the psalmist is basically letting us know he's got to keep one eye on the hills because of the help that it provides but he's got to keep another eye on the hills because of the hurt that may come from the mountainous region the pilgrim had to look on the hills perhaps with a little trepidation and fear but he also looked upon them with some hope and with some strength for the in the hills the robbers hid and in the hills they provided they provided cover for such characters that would steal and destroy 
However, among all that resided Jerusalem. Among all that resided the temple. Among all that is where he was going to worship. Among all that was the temple of the almighty God. If I'd say it like this, among all that was the church. And so as they're traveling, this was a mainstay. This is a song that they're going to sing every time they go to Jerusalem because they're going to be traveling one of these roads that are littered with robbers and stealers. As they're going to worship, someone hear me tonight, as they are headed to worship, as they are headed to God's house along the road, there's going to be robbers, there's going to be thieves, there's going to be those wishing to kill, some to destroy, wanting, oh, somebody hear me. And so they would sing this psalm as they would go because they would start to talk about reassuring one another that God has some keeping power. The Lord is our keeper. The sun will not smite us. The moon will not spite us. Our feet will not be unsure because our God never sleeps. Our God never slumbers. Our God is never dismayed. God will help protect us on our journey from here to his house. Someone say amen. But I've come to bring to you this evening another side of this story for our modern day and our modern age. And that is this. As we come and as we go from the house of the Lord. Uh-huh. As we come and go from the house of the Lord. The enemy of our soul is watching in for opportunity. Our modern day adversary is lying in wait for the people of God that are making their journey to the elevated hill. Can I tell you that every time it becomes church time, there's littered along the path from the moment it's time for you to leave to get here. The enemy of our soul, thieves and robbers looking into our lives. The thief desires to steal. He desires to discourage us from making the trip. He desires to discourage us from making the trip to God's house. How do you know that, Brother McGee? I'll tell you how. Because the headache happens then. The water pipe busts then. The car doesn't start then. Any way possible, our enemy wants to frustrate our arrival at God's house for worship. Someone say amen. The psalmist said it like this. He said in Psalms, I believe it is 73. Bishop, you know it well. The psalmist said, my foot, my feet had nigh slipped. They had nigh slipped. He said, I was tormented in my mind about how the unbelievers had it better than I had it. I started looking around me and every day of my life was a drudgery. It seemed like I fought for everything that I got and the wicked just at the snap of their finger. They had it at the end of their fingertips I, I felt like the life this is the, the psalmist speaking he said I felt like life that I was living was a joke God they tell me God was going to be for me and yet most days I feel like he's against me he says it pained me to consider the heartache, amen, that I had endured compared to hardly anything that the wicked endured. He said, but I'll tell you this, my feet almost slipped, but I'll tell you this, the turning point for everything, the turning point for how I thought about it, the turning point for how I perceived it and what I was feeling, I got a renewed direction and it happened when I went to the sanctuary of God. What are you saying? I'm saying the thief and the robber doesn't want you to make the trip from where you are to God's house because when you get to God's house, things change. Your perspective change. We'll entertain thoughts at home and if he will allow it, he'll drive us into the valley of negativity and bad thoughts in our mind concerning our life and concerning living for the Lord. And we're saying, you know what? It's Wednesday night. I need to get to God's house. And the adversary says, I can't let them to get there. I can't allow them to get there because if they get there, they're going to get a fresh perspective on life. They're going Keep your eyes to the hills. 
when David, when the psalmist rather, got to God's house, it was it wasn't the negativity and the poor is me. So when I got to God's house, notice something different. The enemy doesn't want you to go to God's house. Lest that visit to God's house undoes all the lies and undoes all the mind games that he succumbed you to or that you succumbed to while you've been away from God's house. Because if I can get to the sanctuary, those pilgrims were going there to worship. There were several. I mean, like between Passover and Pentecost, there's 50 days. 50-day amount of time before they would go back to God's house. You realize the tricks your mind can play on you in 50 days? You imagine the lies can be spoken to your ear telling you, well, he don't love you? In 50 days? But if we could just make it to God's house, if we can just get to his place... Hallelujah. No, well, mark my words. Every time you try to come here, he's going to try to frustrate you. He's going to try to hinder you. He's going to try you. Don't worry about it because he knows the benefits of what happens if you get here. If you walk in those doors, if you experience the word, if he knows. I want to talk about what, what the enemy knows and why he tries to hinder our path to God's house. Psalms 27 and verse 4. The psalmist says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. David states here. Not only do I want to journey there, but I want to dwell there. I don't want to just get there. I want to stay there. And it was there at God's house, the scripture says. The psalmist says, it's there that I beheld the beauty of the Lord. It was there at the sanctuary. It was there at God's house that I inquired in his temple. Someone say amen. I tell you tonight, we're not careful in our modern day Christianity. Monday and Tuesday and Thursday through Saturday, if we're not careful, life and adversaries can color the beautiful as ugly. They can convince us that things we do out of our love for God are not necessary. On other days of the week, you can try to convince us that those things are restrictive. Someone say amen. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thieves and robbers will attempt to steal from you as you travel to church. Because they understand if you get there and they get to God's house, just like the psalmist says, they're going to see... The beauty of the Lord again. Holy, holy. And they're going to fall in love with what they first fell in love with. If they go to God's house one more time, those things that they see as restrictive during the week, they're going to get to God's house and understand it was protective. And they're going to see the beauty of the Lord. Those, oh, God, help me right now. Why, why, why is it important to be in God's house? I'll tell you. Because you need to reacquaint yourself with the beauty of the Lord. Amen. A couple times a week. You need to reacquaint yourself with what you first fell in love with. You need to reacquaint yourself with the feeling and the zeal and the overshowering presence of God that first ensnared you and drew you. That's why we got to be at God's house. The beauty of the Lord is defined here as the kindness or grace of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord is defined as the kindness or the grace of the Lord. Beware, church family, of the threats along the road to God's house. Keep your eyes to the hills for the threats along the road to God's house. Because your adversary is smarter than you realize 
and he knows scripture enough to twist it if you because here's scripture if you experience his kindness Romans 2 tells us what the kindness and the graciousness of God what its purpose is for our life we even sing song about it sister Roberta his kindness leads us to repent the adversary don't want you to get to God's house because if you see his beauty and you experience his kindness it just might provoke you to a place of repentance and whatever you've done since the last time you've been to God's house and haven't repented over, he don't want you to repent over. He wants you to live a life of sin and believe the way that you do things is okay. Because if they ever get to God's house and feel his kindness, they'll drive them and provoke them to a place of repentance and they'll make things right with God. That's the importance. Of Keep your eyes to the hills. If he can disturb us, if he can threaten us on that path, he might squelch our conviction for repentance. Can we get real for a moment? It's hard to feel conviction when all you surround yourself with people just like you doing what you're doing. I can get to the house of the Lord with my hang up and you can get here brother James with your hang up we might all got hang ups but whenever I see his beauty there is something that is compelling me amen to repentance he says and to inquire in his temple inquire comes from a primitive root bakar which means to plow or more generally to break forth see plowing we know this we're an agricultural community. Plowing breaks the ground for planting seeds. And sometimes there's hard clods out there in the field that need broke up. David says, when I go to the temple, I inquire. There's a plowing in his temple. There's a breaking forth. There's a breaking up. There is, if you will, a breaking out. Folks, when we get to the temple of God, there's times I've sat in services that there's been some hard clods there that I wasn't all aware of until God started hitting on it and he broke it up or he plowed it and he overturned it. Things we sing the song, break out, break out. Folks, that's the reason why we come to God's house because sometimes the only way that it's broken up or broken out is if we get in the presence of the Lord and and can I tell you, the plowing that takes place in our life at the house of God prepares your soil and my soil to receive some seed for some harvest of fruition. No, with certainty, your adversary wants to prevent that from happening in your life. He's, he wants to stop your breakthrough. And he for sure doesn't want anything planted in your life because he fears what the yield's going to be. He's so fearful of a plentiful harvest that could come from you. Now look, let's go on just a step further. Verse number 5, Psalms 27 and 5. He says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of what? His tabernacle. He shall hide me and he shall set me up upon a rock. The psalmist says it's in the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the church house, the house of God. It's there that he hides. During troublesome times, when the wind is blowing and the waters are assailing me, if I get to God's house, he says, I got a little nook over here I want to put you in. That's why when things are upside down, I go to him that's right side up because he'll put me in the cliff of the rock. He'll put me in that pavilion. He'll put me in that secret place. Go on and let the storm brew. Go on and let the water crash. If I can get to God's house, he'll hide me. 
He'll set me on a rock. He'll give me a sure, stable place to stand. But that's when I get to his house. That thief doesn't want you to get there. Keep your eyes to the heels. Verse number 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. I will sing praises unto the Lord. Where? At the tabernacle. He says, if I can get to the church house, he said, God's going to raise my head above the heads, above my enemies. If I can get to the church house, if I get there, I can offer sacrifices of joy. Hallelujah. If I can get there, I can sing praises unto the Lord. Listen, the devil doesn't want you to participate in sacrifices of joy. The devil doesn't want you to participate in singing praises. He wants to take your song. He wants to limit your... Someone say amen. Note just a few other verses. Psalm 63 and 2. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Hold on. In other words, we are witnesses of God's power and we are witnesses of God's glory in the sanctuary. The robber and the thief on the path from your home to here doesn't want you to experience his power, doesn't want you to experience his glory. Psalms 24 even tells us in verses 3 and 5 that it's at the sanctuary that we receive blessing from the Lord. Keep your eyes to the hills because he's going to try to frustrate that purpose. Psalm 77 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? The psalmist says that God's way is made manifest and known in the sanctuary. So don't scratch your head the next time you don't feel like coming. Don't scratch your head that something comes up that in the moment it feels necessary to drop everything else including church and attend to. Because his way is known right here. Someone say amen. The enemy knows the path to the church house is a path that ultimately will help us lead us to heaven. It is the way of God. Someone say amen. Now. Everybody say now. You must understand as small as a path as that was. That it was still only five roads that led both to, listen to me, and from Jerusalem. They were the roads of both your going and your coming. And so if they traveled to Jerusalem by that road, they would have to come from the house of God by that same road. And if there were bandits and thieves and robbers lurking there on their journey there, Rest assured, even as the man that fell among thieves in Luke 10, as he came from Jerusalem to Jericho, rest assured, there's still robbers, bandits, and thieves as you leave God's house. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, not only are you under the eye of the enemy as you try to get to church, you're under the eye of the adversary as you leave these doors and return back home. And if he'll try to deter you from getting here, note well, he'll try to steal from you on your way home. What are you saying? I've known too many times when the robber has tried to rob people of things that they gained when they were in church in the house. I felt the power of God tonight. My spirits are uplifted. Know well when you walk out those double doors, there is a thief and there is a robber that's going to try to snatch from you what you gained in God's house before you reach your front.
He'll come to you as you leave and you get in your car and start up your engine and travel your five blocks home. He'll tell you that that promise spoke to you tonight will never come to pass. He'll tell you that thing that you were depressed with when you went with church and felt it lifted, it's gonna come back on you before you go to sleep at night. He'll tell you that blessing you received will not last till Monday. He'll try to steal. He'll try... Keep your eyes. No wonder. No wonder. The psalmist said in verse 8. That the Lord shall preserve thy going out. And thy coming in. No wonder he spoke those words because he knew the threats that lie on the road to and from worship, to and from God's house, to and from your pilgrims for the Lord. He said, but rest assured, the Lord thy God is thy keeper. He will not allow the moon to smite thee or the sun. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He'll protect you on your journey to and on your journey home. Don't take the threat of the adversary. Some would say hallelujah. Can I tell somebody tonight, we need to be as mindful of God's aid and God's provision to and from the church just as much as we're aware of it when we're at church. Oh, somebody give the Lord a grand hand clap of praise right now. The King of glory is in this place. Somebody hear me. And Sister Tiffany's okay praying up here. Just give me just a, just a little bit more time. Amen. So suppose this. Suppose that the adversary can't prevent you, amen, from going to God's house. Let's suppose that he can't prevent you from God's kindness and from God's grace and from that way and that power and the glory. Let's just say that he can't get to you on your way. Then he wants for you, amen, to doubt it all before you ever get home. If he can't keep you from experiencing he wants you to doubt what you did experience. He'll meet you at the door with his tricks and try you before you get home. He'll attempt to ridicule your praise at church. Look how foolish you was to take a lap. Look how foolish you was to stomp your feet. Look how foolish you was to shout. He'll try to ridicule you before you ever get home. He'll tell you your sacrifice was too much and you need to dial it back. In our modern day, I'll tell you what he'll tell you. He'll tell you you're crazy. And they probably caught your foolishness on live stream. What's others going to think if they dial into your church channel? They can just go on and watch because the Lord is my keeper. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. If I get to his house, He'll hide me during trouble sometimes if I can make it to the house of God. So what I'm telling to this church family tonight is this. Coming and going. Both coming and going. We deal with the contention of the thief. And if you don't realize this. If you don't realize this. If you don't keep your eyes to the heels. You allow the simplest things. To keep you from what you could get and experience. And what you could offer in God's house through your sacrifice and your worship. 
trivial things, brother, brother Fred, trivial things will seem more important than the way of God. Someone say amen. Mm. But with the knowledge of this, Bishop, I know that I must walk in my daily life to and from his house with a guard around myself knowing what benefits there are in God's house. Does not scripture even tell us Hold on, Mama Shia. Raise your hands right now. Does not scripture even tell us, Brother Zach, in the New Testament, he said, if you had known at what time the thief came, in paraphrasing, you would be better prepared. If you knew the hour, if you knew the moment when he was going to show up, it's not like you'd open your door with fresh bread, bacon in the oven and say, come on in, let's have a good little spell, what would you like? Take anything. No, no, no. If you knew what hour he would come, it says you would prepare yourself, amen, for his coming. I'm telling you tonight that the thief comes as you leave the church and as you come to church, you got that knowledge. It's up to you to prepare. It's up to you to guard. It's up to you to have a book. We must be sober. We must be vigilant because our adversary seeks whom he may devour, both coming and going. With that being said, let me tell you then that it's not strange that depression tries to settle on you after an excellent service. We fold our hands. How in the world can this be happening? I just left an awesome service. I'll tell you why. Keep your eyes to the heels. The thief is lurking. It's not odd then that sometimes the finances fall out. The bottom just falls out of your finances just after God promised you in a service that he's going to supply your need. Why? Because between here and home, there was abandoned. There was a band of robbers. They said, I'm going to get them to a position where they won't believe what's been spoken into them. Someone say amen. We did all right. Can I preach this a little? You know, you got to really know when to stop. I'm just trying to figure that out. On these pilgrimages to Jerusalem, Pentecost feasts and tabernacles, you had, listen to me, there's a dynamic and a demographic of people that's going there. There's old people. There's middle-aged. There's young people. Let me state it like this. There's some that's made a lot of trips to the temple. There's others that's not made too many trips to the temple. If I say it like this, there are some that are experienced. And there's others that are inexperienced. There are some novices. And then there's also some elders and veterans of worship. Note, they sung this psalm every time. They went to the house of the Lord. And whoever they were, they were familiar with robbers and thieves on the road to Jerusalem. But somewhere along the way, where they would know there was robbers and thieves... An old veteran, an old age man of God, woman of God that's made that trip umpteen times would start to sing. I lift up mine eyes to the hills from which come up my help. My help. What are you saying? That novice doesn't realize everything that they're in in that moment. They know there's robbers. They know they're bandits. But an old experienced worshiper is beginning to sing a song. The Lord is my keeper. I 
I'm here to preach to somebody that's not made too many trips yet. Listen to this 44-year-old man. The Lord is my keeper. He neither slumbers. There's some of the elders and some of the veterans that needs to start to sing the song and rehearse it in the ears that are faint. The young's going up the road. All they've heard about is bandits. All they've heard about the negativity of robbers and what they could do. They've heard the story. Listen, they've heard the stories. So like the campfire stories of Pentecost. We were traveling this way one time. And Johnny lost his life. Listen, folks. I can sit here tonight and tell you about good people of God that's dead because life happened to them like life happens to everybody. And being apostolic Pentecostal doesn't keep life from happening. God has a sovereign will. But that's all the inexperienced has heard. They were robbed. They were taken advantage of. There was loss of life. There was destruction. They didn't have some of their goods. Until an old elder with a scruffy voice started to say, Look to the hills. Not just for bandits and robbers. Jerusalem's over there. The house of worship's over there. The place where God hides you is... I know you've heard the stories of gloom and doom, but let me steal your anxious soul for a moment. My God will not allow the sun to smite thee or the moon. He'll take care of you. The Lord is my keeper. Today, folks, as, as the Hebrew writer said, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that can attest to the keeping power of God on a worn out road. He said, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Oh, think with me for a moment. Just Let's just be real generic. If he made heaven and earth and they remain to this day, what can he do with you? Someone say amen. Stand with me. I don't, I don't want to take advantage of you. All in one service as I get back. Spread it out so you don't notice. Keep your eyes on the hills for the provision of God's house. And yes, we're not going to be ignorant and ignore the real threat of an adversary along the road coming and going. It's interesting to note. It's interesting to note that on either side of Jesus at Calvary were two what? Feet. You find Jesus in the middle. In the middle of thieves. As a matter of fact, Luke, the Gospel of Luke 23 and 32 says it like this. That these two thieves were led with him. Never caught that before. They were led with him to be put to death. So not only were a thief on the left and the right as he hung upon Calvary, but evidently they took the trip with him. Thieves, if I could say it tonight, thieves have always encircled Jesus. Whether you're coming or whether you're going, they desire to steal from you. They lined the road to his house as I've been preaching tonight. And they were around on the path and the road to the hill of Calvary. And there even in his death. The Bible states emphatically that they were stationed. One on the left side and one on the right side. Almost to figuratively say that the path to Jesus is plagued with would-be robbers. And stealers and thieves. Everybody doing okay? Humor me here just for a moment. However, 
While Jesus was on that cross between those two thieves, there's an intervention plan that happens there with the cross and with one thief. Left and right, there's an intervention plan because one of the thieves looked to the Lord and said, will you remember me? When you come into my kingdom, there was a change of heart of one of the thieves opening access for the Lord. And he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now listen to pastor. What I'm about ready to tell you is total speculation, okay? But it humors me to think about. This is total speculation on my part. I don't know. Which side Jesus was pierced on? I've looked, I've studied, people have opinions, but emphatically, I don't know which side Jesus was pierced on. But I wonder, brother Fred, if it was the same side that the thief repented on. If so, the Lord our keeper equalized a threat of a thief on the same side he let blood and water pour out of him for the purchase of the church someone say amen I'm here to echo in your ears tonight that Jesus is our keeper and Jesus will preserve us and Jesus will remove the threat of the thief Jesus will preserve your soul. And I'm telling somebody, keep your eye. Keep your eye on the hill. I open this altar tonight that says, God, I want to experience your glory before I leave here. I want to experience your power before I leave here. God, I'm wondering if you can hide me in your pavilion before Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.